There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. So I'd like to introduce Tamriz Inam, who's the Education Relationship Manager at the Emirates Literature Foundation. Um, you are very, very much involved in our School Librarian of the Year Award, which is going into its third year, I believe. So what do you want people to do? If, there anyone, if there's anyone out there who either has children at a school or is at a school or is a librarian, what would you like them to do, Tamriz? Uh, hi, Isabel. So we have the School Librarian of the Year Award, which is in partnership with the Executive Council of Dubai. And it was founded in 2016 to find the best librarians in the UAE. It's really a celebration of the work that librarians, school librarians do in terms of promoting reading. Um, this year, the nominations are open till the 27th of October. And uh, you can nominate on the website, which is the Emirates Literature Foundation's website. There's a tab for School Librarian of the Year. Um, we're looking for the best librarians from private and public schools. And you can submit your nomination in either English or Arabic. And you win. The winner gets four oh, tickets yes. <laughs> to Harry Potter uh, in London and also goes to the British Library. So, I mean, it is an amazing, prize. Yeah. amazing, amazing prize. Fully amazing sponsored prize. trip. And there are also amazing prizes for second place and third place winners and also books and furniture for school libraries yeah, as so well. So they get books, they get furniture. Um, they all get to go to a day's... Everyone who enters gets a free day's training at um, Sharjah Book Fair with the American Librarians Association. So uh, just get out there. So if you have a great school librarian, nominate them. If you are a school librarian, nominate yourself. We just need to know about you and uh, know more about the wonderful work you're doing. I mean, it's a it's a vital task that the school librarian, I mean, you're working in the school space. I know that the, the work that these guys do is highly valued by parents, um, particularly at an early stage, because they're competing with devices all of the time. So to get children interest, to get them excited about books is a really, really important job. Absolutely. It is. It is. And, and the reason that the foundation started this award in uh, um, conjunction with the Executive Council of Dubai is that a lot of people do not realise how vital they are to getting children reading for pleasure, helping children choose a book. So if you've liked this, what about trying this? Showing them how libraries work. I mean, and so many parents, I have to say, have no idea that this is an absolutely vital thing. And with libraries around the world, say, if we look in UK, closing down, the resources being taken, there is an outcry, particularly from children's writers. Please, please celebrate librarians. So we're doing that. Now, our fourth guest today for our champion booker uh, conversation, Man Jalal, journalist Hello. and YouTuber. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Good. And it's lovely to uh, have you here. And, and you were making, as I came into uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dubai Eye today, you were outside the building making a little YouTube. Yeah, making some uh, YouTube videos about the um, Man Booker books that I've read, the shortlisted books. And so I'm just preempting who I think will be the winner and creating little videos to post. Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. I love it when, when uh, and, and in the middle of him, I interrupted him and said hello. So. <laughs> no, it's good, it's good. <laughs> so it was very, uh, very, uh, very lovely to see you doing that. So the 2019 Booker Prize for Fiction is open to writers of any nationality writing in English and published in the UK or Ireland between the 1st of October 2018 and 30th of September 2019. We've got two former winners on the shortlist this year. Women writers are to the fore with four female and two male authors in the running. And Chigozi Obiyama is shortlisted for the second time with his second novel. So that's pretty good. The shortlist was selected. Now, just think about this, James. 150 submitted books. It offers an insight into different worlds from the dystopian setting of Gilead, the monologue of an Ohio housewife, to mostly female, mostly black, British lives across generations, the trial of a young Nigerian man on a quest to improve his prospects and true allegiances within the darker night life of Istanbul. Um, so... I think there's one word, isn't there, Isabel, uh, to dis to describe this? Uh, this is this is the word that you used when we were just uh, getting ready for the show. There's one word that you had, and that word is disappointment. Disappointment and political correctness. I feel those two things have dominated the choice of these books. So we're going to start in alphabetical order by surname. So we're going to start with Margaret Atwood um, for her book, The Testaments. Now I've read it. 
Who else has read the Testaments? James? I've heard the audio. Okay, that's just as good. Mm. It doesn't matter how you take your books in (laughs) as long as you take it in. So three of us, um, I think let's uh, at at least make a start on um, what... We'll start that and we may come back um, in, in, you know, different segments to the same things. As far as I was concerned, I enjoyed reading it. I love Margaret Atwood's reading, but it is not anywhere near as good as The Handmaid's Tale or The Blind Assassin, which is my favourite and won the booker that she won the book with a few years ago. It's just sort of a, um, it's like... It's like an afterthought Mm. and it is definitely touching on all the politically correct things and things that bother us so much in the world today. But there is not that wonderful, I don't know, you cannot even breathe when you're reading it. So um, what do you two think? I completely agree with you in terms of it being an afterthought. And I think even for her, she'd never thought about writing a sequel until I think Trump was nominated or he came into uh, power. And that's when she decided to write the novel. So to me, I kind of thought, well... Did you really need to write a second part? I mean, the show is really popular. The book is very popular, the the, the first book. Uh, and the show is very popular. So it, it kind of makes sense from, dare I say it, a commercial point yeah, of view yeah. to write a second book. So, but she's totally not a commercial person, no, she's not. I can assure you. That's why I was surprised. Yeah. 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 I mean, the events occur, what's, 15 years after, um, after The Handmaid's Tale. And uh, some uh, critics have suggested that this was actually quite clever of Margaret Atwood because it allows time for the very successful TV series to continue to develop um, before they actually reach, reach this particular point. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to use a word that I never thought I'd use in a Booker Prize discussion with you, Isabel. Um, I agree. I agree oh, with you. Gosh, you've, that, that is so rare. It is so rare. And, um, you know, I think it's worth reading because yeah. she is an amazing writer. Mm. She also, um, the characters are interesting, but there is not that, there is not that magic. It's missing the magic, which Margaret Atwood does so well and she writes so you know she has such a diversity in her writing and her way of telling stories and this is as it says the testaments it is these three main characters and we hear about you know um and they these it's part of a course so it's part of a university course where they're studying it um sometime after and they discover these scripts well it's a great idea but it's not worthy of winning the booker in my view and i think you're agreed yes um, so I haven't read the book, but I read Margaret Atwood's interview, which is actually in the Gulf News a couple of uh, days ago. And um, she said that while writing this, she was quite conscious of the TV show and she didn't want to put anything in it which would be a direct contradiction. So that for me was really interesting in terms of your creative process as a writer, that you're sort of influenced by the success of The Handmaid's Tale and the spin-offs from it, you yeah. know? She wasn't free. She yeah, wasn't she free wasn't. in the way that she had been with every other book she's written. So yeah. I don't know why she even made the shortlist. You know, that's that's my view. And and it's it's interesting because it sort of hints, it hints at a, at a happy ending. Um, and you go, what? Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um and because I think one of the one of the strengths of the Handmaid's Tale, I mean, there are many strengths. Of the Handmaid's Tale is an absolutely fabulous book, and if, if any of you haven't read that book, you should. The fact that we're discussing it now, you should go out and buy it because mm. it's an absolutely fabulous piece of work. But one of the great strengths about it was was how um, it didn't lead you to conclusions. It allowed everything to be vague. It allowed you to inject your own thoughts and your own feelings. It, the descriptions were actually quite uh, vague as well. Yes. So so. That, that was the great thing about it, and, and, and this, this isn't it. But we will now start on the most controversial, for many of us, um, book that is on the long shortlist. It was on the long list. Duck's Newburyport by Lucy Ellman. It's the longest book that's ever been on the booker. And um, it's, I thought it was one sentence, but James tells me it's eight sentences. And it's this stream of consciousness from the protagonist who is a Midwestern US uh, housewife. I'll just read you a tiny little bit. Don't turn off the radio. No. <laughs> the fact that an eight-year-old, wo- eight, eight-year- 
88-year-old woman was attacked in her bed and she had to crawl to her neighbours to get help. Terrapins, the fact that crawfish invaded a park in Berlin, but how is this my business? The fact that two of our faucets now need a new washer. The fact that the one in the upstairs bathroom has been off limits for a while, don't use. The fact that James can't read the sign, but luckily he is too small to use that sink anyway. The fact that Arnie tulips never going to come over for such a tiny job the fact that the same goes for the window guy michael whatever his name is whatevs the fact that he's more of a carpenter than strictly a window guy there's no business like show business so you have these little musical interludes the fact that i tried to entice arnie over by saying he could check our drains and so on and so forth. 900 plus pages of that. 1,020, apparently. God. Is 1, it? 1,020 pages. If it was oh. like 200 pages, I'd be like, okay, that, that's doable maybe, or 100 pages. But, but it's 900. not a story. It's just the fact that, okay? <laughs> and we are going through her mind and she has a butterfly brain like no one. Yeah, and the, the fact is that her, her, <laughs> her publisher rejected it. Quite Bloomsbury, um, yeah. they looked at it and they said, we're not having this. So she had to go through a small independent publisher to get through it. So she must be absolutely delighted to have got uh, to, to have got where where it is. But, yeah, it's a stream of consciousness uh, novel. It's interesting. I mean, uh, Lucy, you know, Lucy Elman is an established novel novelist in her own right. She's written many books. I haven't read read them, but I know of her dad, Richard Elman, who was the Joyce scholar. He wrote the definitive biography of James Joyce. So one of the things that interests me about this is how does that play to this? Because this is effectively a stream of consciousness, very, very similar to to Joyce's book, Ulysses. What what I'm interested in is is the story behind Duck's new report, if you like. I don't think, you know, it's maybe not the right way to approach it. But that that as, as somebody who's read James Joyce, grew up with him, uh, lived very close to where he said his novels uh, as a kid. That's the thing I'm most interested in, rather than this, rather than this book, because, yeah, 1,020 pages, Isabel, it's really too much, isn't it? Uh, I'd say one page <laughs> is too much, actually. I made my mind up within five yeah. pages that uh, I couldn't find. I, I am continuing to read it because um, in the hope that there may be something, but there won't be, I know. So, mm. um, Tam Rees. Um, yeah, I was looking at it. I read some excerpts and it gave me a bit of a tummy ache, to be honest. <laughs> I, I get it's very experimental and I read some really good reviews for it online as well. But I know what st- style of books I like and I like books with really strong characters and some semblance of a plot. But I can I can forego a plot for good characters and I don't think there's any of that in this. So, so for me personally... I I knew it wasn't for me. Mm. So does anything happen in the book? Because I haven't read this. I I heard about what it was and I was like, not for me. But does anything happen? Is there sort of like a character shift, character changes? Nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. And it's the sort of book that I think uh, a lot of literati, literati will be holding this huge book up and, um, you know, and they'll all be... It's a bit like The Emperor's Clothes, almost. It has that feeling for me that people want to... Uh, praise it because it is so experimental. But I mean, there's lots of things. <laughs> it's an experiment that that is without any joy for the reader. Yeah. And there are a lot of lists in it as well. Um, you get constant lists of brands. You get li- lists of things. And she's um, the Laura Inger, In- Ingalls Wilder yes. from yeah. Little House in the Prairie features consistently throughout so there's she's she's fascinated by her she's fascinated by um there's emma persuasion pride and prejudice yes. there are references to that throughout i um, quite i was annoyed at her bringing um little house in the prairie on the prairie yeah. into it and she talks about things that were written in the book and the actualities and you know it, there was these discussions of that but it, it didn't it wasn't going anywhere. She was talking about straw and how they, you know, survived the winters. And um, and then she'd go off on these sort of completely uninteresting, ridiculous things. Um, I, don't, I don't know. But have, you, have any of you guys um, read Little House in the Prairie or, or seen the TV series? I TV series. Saw the TV series. Yeah, and I've them. read I've read 
I've read them as well. I absolutely yeah. loved them. And what what but what was interesting? It did bring back to me. It was that classic episode where they had to go and get the wheat. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And yes, they had to go yes, through yeah. the snowstorm. Yes. Together. And and I actually I thought I think oh yeah I remember that actually I remember watching that as a kid mm. and and being so involved because mm. you didn't think the guys were going to uh, were it. actually going to make it and then they they found this little bit of smoke came out of this hut and they went in exactly. they got the wheat and then they went back. And I remember as a kid being transfixed by this particular episode. So that's one positive about this book. It actually brought that particular mm. memory of that. Of that but you're inside her mind, James, yes. and you're just going through all these random thoughts and places she goes. And one thing, as you say, she does lists of brands and then she starts these uh, little musical ditties that are marked by music signs. So that's where you're meant to sing along, I suppose, or she's... <laughs> but, but she does not. She's the most aimless person the character that I've ever come across. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it did bring up, though, it was one of Umberto Eco's um, quotes about lists. And he wrote, how as a human being does one face infinity? Through lists. We like lists because we don't want to die. What do we think of that? Ridiculous. <laughs> a carb. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting you talk about infinity because um, Layla... Mm-hmm. who is the main character in uh, Elif Shafak's book, which we'll be discussing last because she's S, therefore mm-hmm. she comes at the end. Um, uh, Layla changes the L-E-Y-A-L-A. T- she puts an I, and apparently the Y is yesterday, and she changes it to I for infinity. Mm. That's a good so, link. Is this a common theme then throughout our books? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is about the the things, but in a very different way. I just wanted to read a little bit about, before we move on to our next book on the shortlist, about Lucy Elman's Ducks Newburyport. If it goes on to win, it will be it's a the... favourite. It is. Yeah. yeah, that terrifies me. It will be the longest winning novel in the prize's history. It's saying 998 pages. You're saying 1,000. Whichever, it's um, it's certainly it's 997 pages too long. <laughs> it's eyebrow-raising formal uh, experimentation and burning focus on a middle-aged woman's internal monologue is not for the faint-hearted. Elman makes the case for a wholly different approach to the novel. One, as free, associative and playful as it is incisive, political and demanded. Demanding. Mm. Demanded a lot of me. Did I mention it was only one sentence or eight sentences? James and I can at least argue about that. Um, it's it's one or seven sentences too long. However you look at it, I really disliked it yeah. vehemently. But we're moving on now to Bernadine Evaristo's book, Girl, Woman, Other. And I know we've got champions in the um, studio. So who wants to start? I think Tamriz. You, Tam you should go first on this. All right. So I loved this book and I think James is with me mm-hmm. on this one. Um, very, very briefly, the the book is about 12 uh, British women, um, mostly black. And they, the story, it's, each chapter is each character's story. Um the writing style for me initially came as a bit of a shock. Is it prose? Is it verse? You know, it doesn't have, for example, punctuation marks. It doesn't have full stops at the end uh, ends of sentences. It doesn't have quotation marks. Dialogue isn't set in a certain way. So it just throws you off initially. But then once you get into it, the characters are so beautifully drawn out. I loved it. And um, it's, it's a very political book as well you know she comes from a place of intersectional feminism so she's really talking about diversity but but it doesn't get didactic or very heavy you know in terms of the politics is you know front and center but it's all about the characters and are the stories interlinked or is it are they separate like little yeah so so they're not all interconnected so it doesn't have like an overarching plot as such but all the characters are somehow linked and some of them are quite closely linked so the book goes from like one cha- uh, one character each chapter is one character so the first one is uh, this Amma uh, this theatre director um, and then the next one is her daughter so there is that connection okay. but towards the end of the book you see st- uh, strands and connections all throughout Sounds James do you want to add 
that. Yeah, I mean, I I love this book, and I know we're going to we're about to have a row, uh, the the uh, accepted Booker row with with Isabel in a second about <laughs> it. But I thought um, I thought it was fabulous. Actually, I thought exactly as you said. I thought the the writing was very distinct. I thought it was very witty as well. Yes. There's a lot of fun in this book too, as well as the politics. And the, the the characters when when she gets the characters right, they zing. They yeah. absolutely zing. These characters are alive. They're there. Particularly, I, I think the first two characters. So so it's good that she started off with with with, with two of the crackers, if you like. So you have Ama, who's that theater director, and then her uh, her daughter Yaz, and they are just. They're just fabulous, actually. I just, I just absolutely loved the the, the zinginess. Mm. And what I said, as, as I was said to you, to you earlier, Tamriz, what I found myself doing with this book was was enjoying it. Yes, <laughs> I had a sense of enjoyment when I was reading this book, and and that 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 for me is 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 something you know something really special. But if, if an author can make you enjoy reading a book, then they have achieved something, I think, pre- pretty special. Uh, it's not without its faults. Um, I think one of the chief faults is actually the structure, the fact that it is 12 separate characters, because there are some characters that are much more alive and more zingy than other characters. Um, there are other, you know, there are characters which, by nature of who they are, are not as interesting, not as lively, don't bring as much. And you feel that she, when she's writing about them, isn't as involved as with you know other characters. So that would be... For me, that would be the chief flaw in this book. But apart from that, I just, as I say, I found it a very enjoyable book to read. We're talking about um, Woman, Girl, Other by... um, Bernardine Evaristo. Yes, Bernardine Evaristo. And um, uh, I didn't not enjoy it, but I don't think that it is fully deservant of winning this prize. I think it's great. It's on the shortlist. I loved Yaz. I thought she was my favourite character. Um, And I loved the sort of um, discussions that went on, which um, it's great to have that insight. So, 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 so she is Bernadine. The author is is black, um, and she's grown up in in UK, which is now a very multicultural, multinational uh, sort of society. Um, But, now there is definitely much more of a feeling is you cannot write about us. We will write about us. Um, and this comes across very strongly in the in, in, in the book. And I did very much like it when um, one of the girls at university who was not black uh, one, and she could be called sister. Yeah. With an H, but only honorary sister because she was white, <laughs> yeah. and it was it was very funny. There was a lot of very funny things, and it does make you put yourself in someone. She was mm. very good at doing that, helping you put yourself in someone else's shoes. But it was not something that I'm going to be thinking about twenty years from now and remembering, as I did with Elmet, which was shortlisted last last year or the year before um, by Fiona Mosley, which I still sometimes wake up remembering the the, the 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 effect her book had on me yeah um do do we have time for me to to do a little reading from this book this is from this is amma reflecting on yaz so amma's the mother amma's the mother yeah. and yaz is her is her daughter and it, she's reflecting on her being at university so she says amma misses her daughter and now she's away at university not the spiteful snake that slithers out of her tongue to hurt her mother, because in Yaz's world, young people are the only ones with feelings. But she misses the Yaz who stomps about the place, who rushes in as if a hurricane's just blown her into a room. Where's my bag, phone, bus pass, books, ticket, head? The familiar background sounds when she's around, the click of the bathroom door when she's in it, even though it's just the two of them in the house, a habit begun of puberty which Amma finds affronting. The exactly 10 crunches of the peppermill over the canned tomato or mushroom soup that she prefers to Amma's lovely homemade ones. The murmur of music and radio chatter coming from her bedroom in the morning. The sight of her daughter curled up on the sofa under a duvet in the living room on Saturdays, watching television until she's ready to go out at midnight. Amma can just about remember that she too used to go out late and return home in the morning bus. The house breathes differently when Yaz isn't there, waiting for her to return and create some noise and chaos. She hopes she comes home after university. Most of them do these days, don't they? They can't afford otherwise. Mm-hmm. Jan can stay forever, really. 
It's wonderful. I mean, you know, she really is able to write about that character. And um, for those of us that have children, you can mm. fully appreciate the teenage years and and their ability to hurt us, you know, without meaning to. But it's part of their becoming independent and having their own character. And there's a lot of internalization conversations from both Yaz and Amma about how she feels about her mother, how she feels about um, her mother feels about her, which which I did like. I did like, but it's it shouldn't be winning the Booker. Hmm. Sorry, James. Oh, hmm. sorry, Terry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just a comment on uh, what James said about how some characters are more crackling than the others. Um, I actually thought that was a really strong, like that was a strength of mm. the book okay. because it really sets apart the characters as well. Each mm -hmm. has a very distinctive voice and every chapter then that gives you that sense of who this person is. Yes, of course, some of them are inherently dowdy or boring, uh, but I didn't get bored with them. I just I just found like the tempo changing a bit and I found that really interesting in terms of the book itself. Like I loved Carol's uh, character mm. as well. Yes. So the next book we're going to be looking at is An Orchestra of Minorities by Chigozi Obiyama. It's a love story which is set between West Africa and Cyprus and it remixes the Odyssey and Romeo and Juliet with Nigerian Igbo cosmology and modern depictions of race and class. Uh, it's worth the read. This is not me saying this. If only for Obiyama's meticulously crafted echoes. His praise is his prose is always engaging, if sometimes over the top. However, it is a brilliant commentary on the shortcomings of empathy and love. I have not quite finished it, but I haven't enjoyed what I've read so far. I got completely uh, sort of feeling I needed to have a, a sort of a whole book on Igbo uh, cosmology <laughs> beside I me. I think it's it's a dense book. And I think especially in the beginning, you need to really get used used to the language and the sort of flamboyant words, ambitious words that he uses. Um, but I think once you get past, I think, the first quarter, like you get more into the story. However, in saying that, what's I mean, you sort of said what the plot's about. We meet it's set in Nigeria, early 2000s. And our main character, um, what's his name? Chinozo. He's an uneducated poultry farmer and his father has just passed away and he's kind of alone in the world. And we start off by seeing him save this woman who um, is about to cause harm to herself. And that's kind of the what, how the novel sets off and this sort of love affair between them or this big love story and she's from a more educated class and she's um, more educated wealthier family and we kind of see this this epic sort of love story happen but what's interesting and I'm sure you'll agree with me is that um, Isabel is that the, the narrator of the story is actually Chinozo's spirit guide yes um, which I think was really interesting and clever because the spirit guide in, in Nigerian mythology um, sort of moves on from one body to the next, one person to the next. So this specific spirit guide has been around for like 700 years. So he has this sort of wealth of knowledge and education, and he kind of gives you an interesting perspective on the character, that the character, because he's sort of uneducated or, or um, doesn't have the emotional depth to talk about himself, the spirit guide sort of tells you a lot about the character in a way that the character probably couldn't talk about himself if it was written in the first person. But what I found... A difficult to to keep up with in this book was two things. First of all, this um, this plot device of the spirit guide is great, but at the same time, I don't know about you, but I felt also a bit disconnected from the character. I couldn't really feel his edges or feel really being there because I'm being told everything by the spirit guide, who's very you know has a wonderful uh, dictionary of words. And another thing that I found, you know, the center of the story is this epic love story. And I just don't get why he loves her so much. <laughs> I don't know about you. I That's just, a normal thing. I just <laughs> don't Let me just tell you. Um, you, you, can never, you can never know why someone loves someone else. And I, I, that bit I thought was fine. It's the spirit guide that I have problems with. And I just felt alienated because I'm not Nigerian. And therefore, I, you know, you need sometimes to read something, a background of knowledge. You need to sh have shared knowledge about about something you need to really, context you need context yeah. and i did not have that context and i think that's the failing of the novel and i think this there's this assumption that you understand and you know all of this stuff and so i think maybe the spirit guide if he was more you know 
giving us more context of how things worked or how he spoke about the character, I think it would reach out to a lot more people. Mm. But I think what this, I think this novel is better than Ducks in that it's experimental enough that it's still accessible, that it's not pushing people away. And the story is kind of familiar to a lot of people. People love you know, epic love stories and people, um, you know, love sort of the underdog. And this is really about an underdog trying to make, you know, make it or and we sort of kind of root for him. So I think um, in comparison, I think it's the only other experimental novel really in the in the shortlist. So I think if I compare it to Ducks, it's definitely one that I would suggest people read over over Ducks. I don't know mm. if you would agree with me. Yeah. I mean, why do you think it's on the on the list then, Isabel? What's your what's your feeling about it? About this particular book. Well, it's a, he's only written two books, and both have been on the short list. Um, again, I think it's it's a, a thing that oh, we'll have this, and we'll have you know we better have someone from here, we better have someone from uh, okay. almost. I mean, I'm completely. This is just complete assumption, um, and we have to remember that the the book of judges have to read 151 yeah. books. Then when they get that, so they then select the short, the long list. It's at the long list. They reread all of the long list to come up. So so they're not reading this book in the way that we're reading it. They will have read it three times by the time they get to make their decisions. Um, And that's a very different, you know, if I read it three times, I would have a much better understanding. But I'm not prepared as a reader. I'm an everyday reader and I should not be asked to do that. And you can have, you know, there are so many classical books in history that use spirits and ghosts and things like that. Um, the magic have, realism. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and they, they still make it accessible. But I just felt, in a way, I did a little bit also with, with um, Woman, Girl, Other, that, that I was outside of the circle of acceptance. And I certainly felt this there as, as someone who is, you know, a white person, mm. you know, ethnically. But, you know, um, what I'm finding now in publishing is that people of color, writers of color are coming out quite strongly and very unapologetically writing from their backgrounds without um, without glossaries and without explanations. And the idea is that readers should do a little bit of more research and we, I, I would say because I'm a person of color, like we as the writers shouldn't have to explain everything to a reader. So I'm just putting this out yes. there. So there is a bit of that shift in the publishing industry as well. And I think it's actually a good thing. It just makes it a little bit harder for maybe people who are not from that cultural background. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. But to the point, it has to come. There has to be a balance between. Yeah. I really think that. For something like this, where you're really going into the mythology of Nigerian, you know, afterlife and spiritual life, you, I don't think most Nigerians or most people of color from Nigeria would know about that as well. So I think just assuming that they can just do th- I couldn't find enough research to explain some of the stuff um, mm. in this book. So I think there needs to be a balance of over explaining as well as just giving context as opposed to explaining every little Every little detail. And another thing I want to say, I, I think why maybe this book as well has been shortlisted is because I, I feel like the uh, Man Booker judges in previous years love a retelling of a classic mm. in a really different way. And I think the fact that this is a retelling of Odyssey and Romeo and Juliet, but with, you know, Nigerian folk tales or folklore is is kind of another, like clever, uh, clever <laughs> yeah. in a way that could be seen as well as a bit like um condescending because that we can only read Nigerian stories or stories of color if they're put in within the context of a sort of a classic story because mm. I think I would have enjoyed this more if it was a typical Nigerian folk tale as opposed to and written in a modern way as opposed to a retelling of a you know European classic tale mm. within a Nigerian context if that makes sense yeah it's 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 not it's it's not a comfortable read is it no you do I did need to have a sort of a glossary and I needed to sort of go back and understand a bit more which you know fair enough that's you know you have to do that if you read Shakespeare you can't Mm. just accept you're going to get you know get everything at the first go but um I still it it wasn't it wasn't it wouldn't be my first choice to even be on the on the shortlist this year i i really do feel that there there is a big statement being made by the um this year's booker judges on 
on what they're choosing. And it is a very much a reflection. I think Tamriz has got it absolutely right. It's a reflection of publishing. In, in certainly in the UK where there has been a huge shift, but across broadcasting as well, um, where they, you know, they have to accept that Britain is a multicultural society and therefore everyone's opinions have to be represented. And publishing is obviously, you know, uh, it's been very much um, a sort of a, an enclave of people from public schools working in their uh, sort of in the higher up levels, making decisions. And until there are more people of colour and people from different ethnic backgrounds in publishing, they, you know, their choices are going to be much more limited. So I think that is a good thing. And, for example, we have Anjali Raouf, who is, um, has written a, an award-winning The Boy at the Book of the Classroom, the, the boy, boy at the at back, back of the classroom. Um, it's an amazing, amazing book and it's accessible to everyone and it helps us come inside. I don't want a little ring fence that I don't feel I can join you. Mm. Mm. And another thing as well, I always, you were talking about Ahmed before, Isabel. I always think about Mohsen Hamid's Exit West, which mm. I think was shortlisted in the same year Ahmed was. Yeah. And it's such a short perfect experimental novel that is accessible to everyone and I always read it I've read it like four times since I'm like how did he do all of this in such a short amount of uh, you know words and page pages and I feel like um, an orchestra of minorities is trying to do something similar but it uses up a lot of more a lot more words and so I think if it comes down to the writing as well you have to think about how can an author tell you what it needs to tell you in an experimental way succinctly and shortly as yeah. well I think uh, Carmela Shamsi's Home yes. Fire again was based on a, a classic Antigone it was fabulous and at no stage did I not feel part of the journey the writer had done for me so now we're on to a book that we've all read by Elif Shafak and um, James tell us the title 10 minutes and 38 seconds in this strange world by Aleph Shafak and its uh, premise is actually very clever premise is that at the point of death we continue to have consciousness if you like for this period of time this 10 minutes and 38 seconds so the character who's who's dead is 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 this uh, woman in Istanbul and she's in a dumpster and what happens is you then see over that period of 10, 10 minutes and 38 seconds elements of her life. There are flashbacks to particular moments in her life. So the premise is a, it's, it's a cracking premise, actually, as an, as an idea. It's one, one that you buy into immediately. But I know that, man, you, you, you're somebody who, who has read Elif Shafik. Yeah, um, well, I've read m- most of Elif Shafak's other books. And every time I finish reading it, I tell myself this is the last Elif Shafak book I read. I just feel like she tricks me every time in the exact same way. And I was quite surprised to find her on the longlist and then the shortlist for the book because she's a very well-known writer. Most of most people know her for her 40 Rules of Love book, which was hugely popular. And um, I thought maybe she's doing something a bit different with this book. And I usually don't like books where the main character is dead in the beginning. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> don't see the point in reading on. But like you said, the premise is great. Um, what Elif Shafak is is amazing at is that she's really great at writing, creating a sense of place, creating character, giving you these amazing images in books. And she always adds this sense of a fairy tale or fable, like a fable to your characters, which is really quite beautiful. But at some point, you need to know where you're going. And I feel like this has always been the issue with Elif Shafak. Somewhere towards the end of the book or halfway through, you don't know where you're going. The book sort of changes on you and you just... There's never a sort of a conclusion and you kind of think, well, why have we gone through this journey? What have I learned? Is it just beautiful writing and beautiful imagery or what is the point? Or, And I, if this was her first book, I'd, I'd think of this as a, maybe that was the point is there is no point. But because I've read all her other books, I just see that this is something that she always does. Yeah. And I think, uh, Tamaris, I mean, you, you mentioned as well, it's, it's the, the structure of the book. What, what was interesting is when you, when you begin reading it, you go through these chapters and it's, you know, one minute, two minute, three minute. And I'm getting these minutes are going down very quickly. And then I'm looking at the book and I'm going, <laughs> so it doesn't look like we're going to the 10 minutes and 38 seconds through the whole book. And that is exactly what happens that halfway through there's a the, she effectively dies. And then you have another story that's that, that that's that's told. It's it's almost like a separate book, really, isn't it, Tamaris? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. So I think if she had just done the 10 minutes and 38 seconds and through that we had discovered the life of this woman, it would have been amazing because those chapters are, if I could use the word sensuous, literally like, you know, 
using your senses. Every chapter starts with a memory which is triggered by a, a you know a smell or the taste of something and it's so beautifully written and the story itself is really moving as well hmm. but then halfway at the halfway point those 10 minutes 38 seconds are over and then this uh, without giving away spoilers the second half of the book is this woman's friends who think she should be given a good burial and then all sorts of obstacles in the way and whatever and gallivanting across the city and so much happens and you just like well the first half was so beautiful it had a different tone to it and then the second half is completely different it's even farcical at times yes, i don't know if i could exactly. use that word I, I like yeah. That. yeah actually yeah. i really like the complete change of pace yeah. and the the um uh, you know the sort of the backstory of each of her friends and how these five five very very uh, influential people over the course of her her very short life and i loved the idea that you know your heart can stop beating you are mm. as it were dead but your brain keeps going and um it's just it's this very scary It's a very scary thought and people who have near death experiences they often talk about this that Seeing you know their life flash before their yes, eyes. Yes, yeah. their life flash before your eyes and she does it so well, so well and um what comes back to her in those 10 minutes is incredible the you know the the the, the important parts of her life were not the things that happened to her yesterday. They were actually going right back to um what happened to her when she was a baby and the sort of the the sort of circumstances that changed the path of her her life uh, in in Istanbul i love the way she talks about the countryside of turkey mm. and then the time and you really do feel you are in that part and then the bit in the sort of if we like to call them grave diggers or whatever you yeah. like to call them i mean it is quite funny it is quite, yeah. there are parts of it where it is a sort of a, a tragic comedy uh humor um and i think fitting for um the wonderful layla who is the central character to this whole story yeah she she does write beautifully uh, about turkey about istanbul it's i mean you know it's it's the cliche about you know the the place being a character but very much when you when you read her you feel transported to it and you f- you feel her love The, yeah, she for, does. For all, she does all her novels, and she even had that issue, if you want to call it, in Forty Rules of Love, where you have almost two separate novels in one novel that are connected by a sense of place or a sense of history. And she does this quite a lot, and I'm I'm not sure why, but I always I always feel like the book would have been a much more succinct, interesting, shorter book if it was just the ten minutes and thirty eight seconds portion, as opposed to having those uh, those two different. Mm. stories come together or at least if they were sort of somehow interwoven better. Yeah, and, and I mean it is a story about about friendship as well. I mean I think that's one of the key things about this book and about the, the people that matter um to you where they come from and and you know how how people love other people. And I think um again she she writes very convincingly. I mean it is she's a very very talented writer mm. um but i think um we seem to agree that that the book itself has has a few sort of structural flaws did any of you find it preachy this was a this is a criticism that has come up about no, this book i didn't that- find it at all can i just read you a tiny little bit about um uh leila's mother when she was um pregnant mm. so so that you actually start right back in that time and she paid she paid you know they were living in the countryside in turkey there were very much um strong superstitions about um a lady carrying a baby and also the issues with that um there had not been a baby born in this family so so the uh, leila's mother um she had not touched a single peach so the baby wouldn't be covered in fuzz she had not used any spices or herbs in her cooking so the baby wouldn't have freckles or moles she had not smelled roses so that the baby wouldn't have port wine birthmarks not even once had she cut her hair lest their luck also be cut short she had also fr- refrained from hammering nails into the wall in case she mistakenly hit a sleeping ghoul on the head i loved it mm-hmm. you know okay i'm not from turkey but i felt i was in that mm. moment and how this 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 poor woman because her mm. mother was actually not in a fantastic situation how much care she took and and the sort of the 
you know, the, the, the narrative around their lives in that place uh, was amazing. So, I mean, out of all, I'm just going to nail my card on the wall. Out of all the shortlist, if I was going to choose one, it has to be oh, really? Elisha Elisha. Elisha. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. I hope I hope they choose it because I think anyone reading this book mm. is going to enjoy it. And she has a huge number of fans across the world. Mm -hmm. This is the most globally um, suitable prize winner in terms of everyone will read it. And it is a different sort of book to her normal book. Um, and it also will bring the book out of its, uh, you know, uh, ivory spires or ivory towers, if you like to call it, which... Mm. The other ones do. I think we're agreed that that uh, Margaret Atwood's book is it's fine, but it's nothing mm -hmm. like some of her masterpieces. And in a way, it's it's a postscript that didn't need to yeah. be have written. Um, I think we're sort of agreed on ducks mm -hmm. and rabbits that that one um, is a waste of paper. Yeah, well, with with ducks, I think I think I need to interject here that um, the predictor of last year's winner, namely Annabelle, yeah. who isn't here, she loves away. it. Yeah, she absolutely she loves ducks. it, and she she has plumped for ducks. Mm. So um, so she's on a run. She yeah. won last year, so this could be second year in a row if ducks comes through. Yeah, yeah, I think Annabelle might just be right on that one. And just to say about ducks, I feel like it's not my style, but I can appreciate if others found it really interesting because on Goodreads it's got amazing ratings you know yeah. there are lots of people who love those little snippets of consciousness and it, apparently it's quirky and witty in parts as well and mm. I don't know well, it seems it. that consciousness is a real big theme or even um, narrators talking about their life after their life has happened because you have ducks it's a stream of consciousness you have um, the, an orchestra of my minorities where a guardian angel or guardian spirit is talking about the life of his host and you have uh, Alif Shahak's book where she's talking about her life as it's happened so it seems to be like a theme mm. to look back at one's life and analyze it that's, that's an interesting point I just wanted to read a little bit from one of the judges because I thought it was really uh, interesting what she had to say Afwa, what's Hirsch. her? Afwa Hirsch. Hirsch. Yes, she said one of the greatest insights that she experienced during this period came from books that she would never have chosen. I can second that on talking of books. I found new things to love in the most unexpected places. Um, and then she goes on to quote Haruki Murakami, who once said that if you only read the books that everyone else is reading, you can only think what everyone else is thinking. What I found out is that if you only read the kind of novel you have always read, you can only think the kind of things you usually think. And I think that is, I'm in total agreement there. And we found that every single year with the Booker shortlist, um, that there will be books there that we would never have read. And yet, having read them, we have change the way we view the world, change the, the way we think about writing, change the way we think about structure. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I mean, it's one of the privileges that we have here is we, we get to read books that we wouldn't normally choose. Um, and it does take you out of your comfort zone. And, and as, as a practice, I would re recommend it to people because it's too easy to just go after the same type of books. But this Booker Prize uh, presents us with the opportunity to do that. And it presents everyone. I mean, that's, for me, the whole point of literary prizes, whether they're the Booker, whether they're the Pulitzer, whether they're children's prizes, whatever else they are, they can point out books that they believe are great books. And reading is always subjective. Yeah. You know, it is a, a conversation between the writer and the reader, and each person will have a different take on it, which is fantastic. But um, when I see... I see prize winning books or shortlisted books for prizes, I'm much more likely to pick those up and give it a try. And it doesn't matter in the end whether you love them or hate them. You've had an experience of trying something out of your comfort zone. And just to add to what you're saying as well, I think uh, prizes like the Man Booker are great to, and this is something we've spoken about before, to highlight new authors or new writers that we'd never, we may have never have heard of. Um, like Alma from last year, yes. uh, year before last. And so that's why I think a, this uh, selection of shortlist um, books this year is a little bit disappointing because we've heard of all of these writers before and some of them are huge names. There's no one on the list that are like, oh, who is this? Or, what mm -hmm. is this book? Or I've never heard of this author. There isn't really a, a, an interesting story about one of the authors. So I think that for me was what's a little bit disappointing. There's no uh, sense of year. discovery yeah. um, in the way that we've had most years, certainly for the last 10 years, where it's a debut novel, which we would never have got mm. to 
read or even, uh, you know, the author themselves would not have had that success unless it had been highlighted by by the booker. Um, And so we can disagree about the winner. And, you know, generally I do. Um, I don't ever agree with the booker judges. So who am I? But at the same time, I always have found every single year something on the shortlist to champion and to continue to champion. You know, there are books I still recommend to people who've who've been, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And I'm sure you're the same, James. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but I think I, I mean, this could be your year, Isabel. I'm thinking I think you could be the one you could be the one to choose it here. Yes. Um, do you think? Well, I, I'm going to say that the one that I think deserves to win it out of the mediocre selection we've been given by the <laughs> book of judges, I hope they're not listening, is Elif Shafak's book, uh, novel, 10 minutes and 38 seconds in this strange world. Um, because I think I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the weirdness of it. I love her writing. And I didn't have any issues with the change to the... It reminded me of a sort of almost Charlie Chaplin, you know, mm. one of these strange... They were going off on this weird... I mean, ridiculous thing to do um but in that moment of grief people do do silly things and the whole idea of you know what happens and how they come together etc um uh, it just appealed to me and more than anything i love her writing so Mm. i can read her and enjoy it and take lots from it i think if elif shafak wins or margaret atwood that would be a great thing for the man booker prize generally because i think a lot of people know those writers uh, they're both, I hate to use the word mainstream, but they're very well known. And so I think it'll put a lot of eyeballs of people who had probably never heard of the prize mm. to to look at it. So I think that would be great for the Man Booker Awards. But I think, I feel like an orchestra of minorities um, by Chigozi Obioma, I don't know if I'm saying that right, um, might win only because I feel like it has all the ingredients of uh, your typical man booker kind of book it's experimental but it's accessible it takes something that's folklore from a different country mixed with something sort of classical that we can all know and it's dense but not too dense like for example um ducks uh, or duck um so i think it i would not be surprised if this takes the prize yes mm. i think i think they've done that to us before haven't mm. they um many a time where they've they've chosen something that that we may not appreciate. And, you know, it would be wonderful to see a crib sheet for the uh, Book of Judges. Actually, how are they coming to these decisions? What are they, you know, what parts um, do they score on? Because in the end, if you're, you know, you're presented with some wonderful books, we're looking on it as readers, just and purely as readers. What have we taken away from from the books that are on this sort list, which is going to be very different to Mm -hmm. what... <coughs> Sorry, a judge will do. Do, yeah. do they sit around and discuss it together, the judges? <coughs> they argue. I would love it if they filmed that and had it as a reality show after the yes. prize was out. Wouldn't that yes. be fascinating yeah. Yeah. to watch? I mean, judges storm out. They they disagree. But in the end, it's 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 generally they like to have a unanimous vote. But I don't think that's always possible. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the points you made earlier about this is the fact that they've they've read all of these books several times. So we've all approached it on, on a one-off basis, um, and and that's it's a completely different process, if yes. you like, because you you know that sometimes you read a book, if you reread it, you go, oh right, now now I get it, now I feel that I, you know, I'm I'm into this book, I can understand what it's about. Um, but I think I think you're right in terms in terms of the list itself. There have been better lists, and you made a very good point when we were off air, actually, Isabel, about. Uh, you know about talking about the fact that you get something extra from from the book, and I've I've very much felt that about the winners. That certainly the ones that I've chosen over the years, the ones that I've actually really enjoyed, I have felt I've come away mm. understanding something and with with, with with a greater sense of depth. I, I know it's um, it's not a popular decision or a popular choice with you, but I did feel that to a degree with Girl, uh, Woman, Other. I've, I that's why that's why I would plump for. For, for that particular book because I that's the one that, that I feel I came away knowing about a world and it was a world because uh, I lived in London for nearly 10 years I knew that part of London but I wasn't that familiar with it and the characters in this book I would see and I would come across in daily life and this allowed me to feel immersed in that world I think that's that's the bit really that 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 appealed to me it's 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 a world that I wasn't aware of or, or, or I mean I knew it I saw it and now I was immersed in it I knew what these people 
were living, what their lives were like. So we're going to be making our final predictions. All right. And so I'm actually quite persuaded, James, which never happens mm. on uh, mm. uh, Woman, Girl, Other by um, Evaristo. Oh. Um, because I did, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I'm thinking again about the um, the whole um, create creative style that she does. And it is enjoyable. It is funny. And those characters do. The word you used was ziz, zing. 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 They yeah. do, particularly Yaz for me. Um, I can remember people like Yaz, you know, mm. and, and her sort of uh, amazing confidence. So, I mean, she just zings with self-confidence, doesn't she? Um, thanks to really, you have to look at her upbringing and, and the sort of influences on her life. And then her... Uh, dealing with other friends when they're at university, the one that the the, the rich, the, where they go to visit the rich girl's home, and it's levels of richness and things like that. And she's make she makes so many asides in it that I'm coming round. Maybe yeah. that this is the one that should win, and I'm going to put my vote behind. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Persuasion. Yeah. Persuasion yes. has well, happened. I was thinking it really took about 11 what you years. I know. I know. I know. I know. But it's because this this list is so disappointing this mm. year. Yeah. So, man, um, you're going for... Yeah. An Orchestra of Minorities by Chigozi Obioma. Um, but I would not be surprised if um, Elif Shafak wins as well, mm. based on what you said. And just if, yeah, I yeah. think I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I won't mind if, um, if if she does win because I do think that uh, it will be translated in so many languages. Mm. Elif Shafak is one of the most globally popular authors and she's one of the, something like one of the 10 most important writers for people mm. today. So, you know, um, and she's of an age, you know, yeah. mm. uh, whereas Margaret Atwood is must be coming to the end of her writing career, although she still writes amazingly. I feel that that would be much too... Uh, typecast if uh, we're just the the shortlist for 2019 booker is the testaments by margaret atwood ducks newbury port by lucy ellman renamed rabbits by me <laughs> girl woman other i always want to say woman girl other okay girl woman other by bernadine everisto an orchestra of minorities by chigozi obiyama and 10 minutes 38 seconds in this strange world by elif shafak i'm going for um, girl and 10 seconds wow okay yeah my my top choice based on what i've really liked is girl woman other uh, i i don't know why i think ducks newbury port <laughs> could win but that yeah i wouldn't be very happy about it mm. yeah i mean i think girl woman other is is definitely my choice i would not be unhappy though if elif uh, was to emerge the winner because I do think it is a it is a terrific read actually and I think you're right I think uh, if it got that that push that that man Booker push uh, a lot more people would read what is a terrific book actually it is um, I know the man you've you've read 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 her several times so I mean it's the first time I've actually come to read one of her books and and I really did enjoy it. I thought it was. I thought it was a, a yeah. As I say, a cracking premise. And I don't think people consider her in inverted commas literary, and mm. that's what I, I. I think she is. Mm. I think she very much is. But the high, you know, the the glitterati literati, as I call them, probably have not read Elif. I'm not putting mm. you in that. Um, no, 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 uh, no. I would uh, never be uh, there. No, no, no. <laughs> but I do think it will open up. Uh, people who've not read Elif mm. before to read to read her. This may not be her best novel, but um, I think it out of the novels we've got to choose from. Um, I would be very happy if she won. I would also be happy if Girl, Woman, Other wins because mm. I, I, I mean, I think that's the choice we've got. Mm. Um, I really, really will be sobbing into my pillow <laughs> if Ducks Stroke Rabbit wins. Yeah. yeah. And Margaret Atwood. I mean, this is this is actually Margaret Atwood's sixth nomination. So she is with Iris Murdoch, the most nominated author for the for the, for the Booker Prize. Mm. And she's won before, yeah. And she's won yeah. with yeah. the Blind Assassin. Blind Assassin. And she's been shortlisted for The Handmaid's Tale and I think others. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, she should have won for The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. seriously, what, mm. what were they yeah. thinking about? Um, so they shouldn't be giving her... It's not for the author's body of work. Yeah. It is for the novel yeah. that you, you put in. I'm still really surprised by what you told us, that she was thinking about the show when she was writing this book and thinking about she doesn't want to... That was, uh, yeah. was Tamarese. Yeah. 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 I'm really just shocked by that because I just didn't think that an author would think like that. And so to yeah. me, that kind of makes me think she shouldn't win the prize. She should, right. you know, she should be... Mm. She, she's already won at once. She, everyone knows who she is. She has a show. Everything's great. So I think she should sort of be out of the running <laughs> for mm. the prize. But she's very involved in that show, in that Handmaid's Tale. So she's one of the, as, as I understand, she's one of the producers of the show and has been very cl- closely aligned with it and has been very happy with the reception to it because it's obviously the Handmaid's Tale TV series has, has got her a lot more attention, mm. if you like. And I mean, I've, I've only seen the first series, but it's terrific. Um but the book is outstanding. I mean, yes, you know, Handmaid's anybody who's, who, I mean, yes. it is a book that you will not forget. No, the exactly. Tale. And so this is, is second rate if mm. we're comparing it with that. Mm. And it's, it's, you know, it's like an afterthought. Mm. And that should therefore not, not be winning. And I just think it's too obvious mm. to give it to Margaret Atwood. Yeah. So hopefully they won't. And hopefully mm. they'll choose either Elif or... Um, uh, Bernadine. Uh, yeah, Bernadine. Either of those would be worthy winners this year considering mm. the competition but you may be right about ducks and so we've got um i think we've made our decisions we're very much three of us are very much thinking that it's going to be girl woman other mm-hmm. that could take this prize and we think that would be a, a worthy choice um i think we're all agreed that um if elif shafak wins again we won't be upset yep um I don't think we want uh, Testaments to win because we don't feel it's nope. a, a worthy winner. I think are agreed that we also don't really want Ducks to win. <laughs> but we'll, we've got to put our oar in here for, uh, for Annabelle. Annabelle does. So, Sorry, Annabelle. So yes. Annabelle's plumping for that. As yes. I say, she could be second year in a row. Yeah. Okay. She could be. She could be. And we will find out uh, soon enough. And then, Man, you're putting your, your weight behind... Yeah, an um, orchestra of minorities by Chikosi Obama. Yeah, I think yeah. that that might just yes. take it. And I think you might be right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of those things we just have to yeah. wait with bated breath. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com.